Hey y'all, I'm Becca Gaskin, and this is my podcast, You Changed the Story. When I think about what I'm here to do on this earth, this podcast feels so aligned as a part of that purpose. I want as many women who can possibly be reached to know that they are seen, they are heard, they are understood, they are not alone. Any woman out there who feels locked up in shame or fear or self-judgment or insecurity or jealousy of seeing other women stand in their purpose or not knowing why you can't get free to really be able to understand how you make sense. Everything about you is on purpose for a purpose and it's accurate, but it may just not be accurate to what's happening in this present day moment. And the work that we do here and the things that we'll talk about here are meant to help you update the parts of you who feel stuck so that you can move forward into more joy and possibility than you've ever experienced. Okay, y'all, I'm here today with one of my favorite people. I always say every guest is one of my favorite because they wouldn't be on my podcast if they weren't. But Wynn is someone who is so dear to my heart. I have known her for years through all the seasons. She is such a light. How we reconnected through this work was earlier in the year, in 2022, I hosted a parts and perfection class. And that really resonated with when she signed up immediately and came to the class and she's like, okay, I have to do this work. I wanted her to come on and share her story today because I know the whole idea and theme of perfection is something that so many of us are struggling with or striving to be, even though we know logically that perfection is impossible, there's still a part of us that is trying so hard to get to that point. And if we get to that point, to that destination unknown somewhere outside of us, that then things would feel better, that then we would be okay. And so I just wanted Wynn, with all of her wisdom and her growth and her experience to speak into the hearts of those women who are still in that place of wrestling with perfection and this idealized version of being and really existing so that all of these things extrinsically will make us okay inside. So when I want to know, just tell us the dirt. Let's just dive right in. (laughs) What was your relationship with perfection like? And how did that determine your view of success for yourself? Well, I feel like I've been a perfectionist like pretty much my whole life. I am the oldest of three, very type A, achiever, doer type, very all or nothing. Like if I couldn't do something all the way, I wouldn't do it. I thought it was only successful if I did it quote unquote perfectly. It was really hard for me to celebrate progress and growth. I would just be disappointed if things didn't turn out how I thought that they should be. Mm -hmm. Um, I also think that like a lot of what we talked about, about being like a martyr, I feel like that really plays into the perfectionist thing too, of like trying to do everything on my own by myself. Mm. I can do it kind of mentality. So, right. So the all or nothing, you hit on so many good points just then. Perfectionism really is a stress response. All or nothing thinking is a activated state. It's a survival state. When we're in black, white, life, death, good, bad, right, wrong, we are in a state of 
just total survival, right? And so perfection is a way that we try to manage those feelings of survival. And then also the martyr thing that you said. Yeah. That part of you that's like, if I take on this hyper-independent role and I do it all, then everything will be okay. Everybody will be okay. And then we don't have to give up that feeling of perfection because we're doing it all. And so we're really relying on that. But if we move into receiving, then it's like it cracks that facade. Mm -hmm. What was your experience actually like with perfection as in how did that feel in your body? I remember when we first started working together and I'm like, I don't know how this feels in my body. Like, how am I supposed to know how something feels in my body? Nobody (laughs) has really asked me this before. Uh And I remember those first couple of calls. Like I just, it was like always like in my chest. Like I couldn't breathe. Remember? Yeah. And we had this whole conversation about like, I've dealt with like asthma and like lung issues my whole life. Like feeling like I can't catch up my breath. And now I really don't feel like that as much. Like it's, it's, it's really crazy. So I feel like, like in my chest, like I couldn't breathe, but then also sort of like on my shoulder, in my shoulders, like something is like weighing me down. Wow. You were walking around looking like a star and everything being polished and everything being like so put together, being the martyr, being the type A, you just said no one ever had asked me how it actually felt. Yeah. And just that simple awareness, like what did that do for you? When you remembered, I have a body, this is impacting me, this is how this experience feels. Like, one of my good friends, Elizabeth, says, sometimes the awareness is the healing. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, because if somebody asks you that, then you're more mm-hmm. aware of it, then you start noticing it for yourself, not mm-hmm. just when somebody asks you, but when you ask yourself. And I think, too, so much of why I wanted to work with you and why I dove into this work is not just for me, but for my children. And so now, like, just as a mom, I have four kids being able to ask my kids these questions. And, like, the other day, my almost 11-year-old daughter was mad at me about something. And I was talking to her about it. She goes, Mom, you just weren't letting me feel my feelings. I was like, I want you to feel your Like, nobody gave me that permission to, like, feel my feelings. It was just so much. It was like, get over it. You're fine. Stop crying. And so to really, like, stop, I remember... How, how I used to live most of my life. And when we started working there, we'd come on a call and you'd be like, okay, I can tell something's going on. Let's put our feet on the ground. Mm-hmm. Let's take some deep breaths. And and that just felt uncomfortable. Honestly, I remember, I think, when I watched your perfectionism call and you were like, you know, wanting us to set the scene of like sit down and be present. I was like still doing laundry and doing dishes. Like just <laughs> always like busying myself, yeah, not recognizing how important it is to truly like allow myself to feel what I'm feeling in my body. Yeah. So I want to ask you a question that I've asked you before on our calls. What do you think that perfectionism was trying to protect you from? Why was it so important that that perfectionist part show up and do that job for you? Oh gosh, what did I say on our calls? <laughs> what was it to remind me? Yeah, I don't know. I'm just curious, like looking, I guess really just looking back. I know you've come so far, when, and yeah. that feels so far gone for you now because the essence of who you are, the way it feels to be in your body after doing parts work and somatic work and really getting the healing and the education that you've gotten over the last several months has transformed the way it feels to be in your body. And 
it's hard to look back, I know, and remember, but I'm just curious, like, if you could reflect at this point and see that version of you running around, doing the laundry, doing all the things, not being able to be present, not being able to be still, there had to be a really good reason. There had to be either a habit or a fear or something that kept you in that state of activation. I mean, I think a lot of it was like avoiding feeling Mm. sad or just feeling things that were difficult. Mm-hmm. We keep ourselves busy, then we don't have to think. But which is strange to me because I also love self-reflection and journaling, and I always have. But I think there's a difference to me in like what I was doing all those years of reflecting and writing and processing in that way, which is really good. But adding in the like processing actually in my body, yeah, I think maybe it was just scary. Like yeah, I just I wanted to do it all and just I don't know for appearances or for my own ego. Yeah. I think about that more. That's a great share. And I think so many women, including myself, can relate to the idea of pushing forward, plowing on in order to avoid. We use avoidance or performance to not have to feel. And really, I don't think it's a conscious choice. I just don't think we were ever really shown how you know, like you said, that emotional intelligence or that emotional language that maybe we grew up in or experienced, you know, at that time, like our parents didn't have access to all this stuff that we have today. And they didn't know what they didn't know. And so it's one of those things where we don't know what we don't know. And until you get a new experience and you update those parts that it is safe, to feel and to be and to be witnessed in those places that are so new and unfamiliar, we're not going to know that big of an impact or that big of a difference that it can make. But that leads me into my next question is, do you feel like perfectionism kept you isolated? Do you do you feel like it kept you, you shut off in a way? Yeah, for sure. I think that's a hard question for me to even consider mm. because I consider myself such a relational connected person but it's like when I really think about it I think it definitely did I think it definitely held me back I don't think it was like a conscious thing but now where I am looking back I can definitely see what's changed in the way that you connect with your people your friends your family your kids oh my gosh okay so I think just like being being more intentional about connection I remember on one of our calls I was like okay I had this like really great morning yesterday, start to my day. And, you know, I did this and this and this and all these things. And it's like, I just wish that every day could be like that. And we were like, why can't it be? I'm like, it can be. Wait, really? And we had this whole conversation of like changing the time that I spend in the morning before my kids go to school as like a connection time instead of like, well, I'm going to first I'm going to have my quiet time and then I'm going to have my hang out with my kids time. But like just thinking of it as like, I'm going to spend this time connected, like plugged in, connected with myself, connected with God, connected with my family before I just go into work and messages and to do's and Mm -hmm. household stuff. And like that just changed the game for me, like Mm -hmm. almost just like giving me permission to do that. Mm -hmm. And now like one of our, our goals as a family of this 90 days is connect. It's how can we connect more and just having conversations about like to our kids, what makes you feel more connected as a family? What do you guys want to do on the weekends or on the evenings that's fun that makes you feel makes us feel more connected. I've always loved that. I've always prioritized that, but it just feels different. 
and I don't know how to explain it. Like, there's not this, like, oh, I should be connecting, mm-hmm. I should be doing this, I should want to do this instead of doing work things or home things, but, like, I really desire this. Yeah, I remember that conversation, how you were like, I really want to have this in my mornings, but you, I think I remember you feeling bad or guilty or, you know, yes. there were some obstacles there for you. It, it was more about checking things off the list than it was yes. about seeing the worthiness and the value of that 20 minutes or of that time, you know, you had to kind of overcome. So what were some of those obstacles to connection, you think? Um, specifically in the morning, I think it's just the expectations of others, mm-hmm. the expectations of, okay, well, I've got to get, you know, the laundry switched over and I've got to respond to this message. This person is like probably waiting on me and, you know, just like all the things that like the world throws at us are just like, those things are never going to end. They're always going to be there. And I think like, I don't want to live as a slave to the urgent, you know? So I think it's, it's just, we were never taught how to not do that. So it's like, you don't have to live reacting to everything all the time. But that was, that's probably, that, that was probably the biggest obstacle. Yeah. Oh, that just gave me chills because it's like in all these years, when never had the opportunity to consider how it felt to be when inside of her story. And just that slight shift towards compassion and curiosity around some of the things that you felt like a slave to, it like recalibrated the story. And it created this whole new reality for you and allowed yourself to experience so much grace and compassion to be able to really have agency and choice back in your life. Like you're the leading lady of your story and you set the tone and then whatever you are able to safely provide and give yourself flows out, like you said, onto your children naturally. Mm -hmm. And it's changing the way they experience not only the presence of their mom, but the way that they can then learn how to experience their own embodiment, their own wholeness, their own being. Like your daughter was saying about giving me room to feel what I needed to feel. How beautiful that she feels so safe to use her voice and speak to that because of what you're modeling for her. Well, the the whole curiosity and compassion over judgment and criticism has been so transformational Mm -hmm. for me. I think I just have lived most of my life in judgment and criticism, Mm -hmm. whether mostly internal, you know, (laughs) Um, towards myself and towards others. And to now just have the lens. I've even looked back at things that happened in the past. Like, how can I look at that situation with new eyes, with eyes of curiosity and compassion is so huge. And what you said about my kids, like something that I practicing thinking and being is like my nurturing presence transforms people. Like I want my nurturing presence with my kids to be what transforms them. Not like what I say, (laughs) you know, how I actually am. Yes. And that really is your new definition of success. You count as the most valuable rather than what you say or how it looks which really is the opposite of perfection because your nurturing presence has nothing to do with a certain mold or model of what we think it should be. And there's so much freedom in that for you to flow and exist in exactly who you are in exactly this moment and exactly this point as a mom in your story. Yeah, it's 
beautiful. And I love what you said about going back, even, even not just in the work we did in the last several months, but going back in your story and reframing how you saw yourself or how you saw others. Um, Mark Wolin, who is a, a therapist that I love, who wrote the book, It Didn't Start With You. I think that's what it's called. Yeah, It Didn't Start With You. Um, he talks about one of the ways to have build new neurological pathways is to have six positive feelings of sensation or well-being a day for one minute each. So six wow. minutes a day. So when you can sit and have safety to experience your body and experience your home, experience your family, but then go back and renegotiate stories even where you once had judgment or you once had rigidity or you once had anger and that stuff keeps us trapped. Like if we don't process and heal that stuff and grieve or have an openness or a softening in our body or a more compassionate feeling, then we are trapped in that story and we suffer. Yeah. Well, it's like when you told me, I actually said this to a friend this morning and they were like, whoa, when you first told me that plowing through, pushing through is a trauma response. I'm like, oh, yeah, (laughs) I lived in that for so long. And that's the, that is what we were sold. Work as hard as you can get, you know, the whole, the hustle culture that I think has begun to, you know, fade away, hopefully. But yeah, yeah, you know, that whole, that was your value. That was what people looked at. And and, and I remember feeling as a recovering perfectionist myself, like I'm getting patted on the back for like the things that make me the sickest, that make me suffer the most. And it's hard to give that stuff up. When I was thinking about like, what does success look like now? Yesterday is a Monday, which is one of my busiest days. And I plan, I plan what I need because, you know, we still have to work. Like there's still things that need to be done. Right. Right. And yesterday by mid-afternoon, I had done the, you know, three to five things that I really needed to do for for work. I had prepped dinner and, and it was done. And then I was like, oh, wow. Okay, cool. Now I can, I literally sat in the rocking chair in our living room with my feet in this foot bath and read a book while my husband watched the Cowboys game. And Amazing. Like, old me would have been like, okay, what, what else can I do? Like, how can I get ahead for the week? But I was like, nope, I did what I needed to do. I walked, I moved my body, I connected with my kids, we had dinner, I did my work. I'm just going to hang out. I love that win. <laughs> and that, and knowing you, that is huge. And it really is success and being able to move forward. Once we get the opportunity to witness those parts of us with love and compassion, once we get the opportunity to process what those parts of us are holding, the burdens or the wounds, there's a really good reason parts of us show up a certain way. Because there's something that those parts of us are protecting or keeping us safe or there's a fear behind it. So it all makes sense. But in the program and the work that we do, once we witness that and we realize like we can be with that part and we can keep perspective and we can remember who we are, we can remember what's true and we can experience the emotion without becoming that emotion. And then we move forward. I think what you just described is this beautiful relationship between our inner masculine and our inner feminine. You have your goals, you have your plans, you have your structure and container for the day, which you're so good at. And if you guys need more tips and tricks and rhythms on that with when, go follow her on Instagram. I'll put that in the show notes. She's the best at setting those containers. 
and teaches so many women how to do the same thing, just to have more ease in their lives. But you were able to set the container and then at the end of the day, flow inside of that, bring on board your inner feminine, which is that softening and that surrender and that ability to relax and receive and replenish and just open space to make a space for yourself to be nurtured. Like you talked about how you want other people to experience you. I think that's the beautiful thing about moving forward for you is you've been able to take what you're really good at and then find the safety in the new unfamiliar things and create the life that you really want, which is my heart for why I do this work is so that women can heal into a life that they love and increase their capacity, increase their tolerance for the things that are unfamiliar so that they can create the life they want, yes, but also so that they become the person that they want and realize that the answer isn't out here in all of this perfection, but it always has been. It always has been inside. It's always been in here. I have loved witnessing you in this new expression of what that looks like and then to see that radiate into the work that you do, the light that you are, you've always been. And I think it's just an even more amplified expression of beauty, of grace, of leadership, of wisdom, just to allow you even more confidence. Um, with Mm. vulnerability to do what you're here to do in the calling that God's put on your heart. Well, you just make me cry over here. But I I needed somebody to call that out in me. And, Mm -hmm. you know, as you say, bear witness. That was another thing that I'm like, what does that mean to like witness somebody, to be in it with them? I I wanted to, I've always been a fixer. I want to fix what's going on. I, you know, all these things. And now to be able to pass along and sit with people and they're hurt and not try to fix it and not try to find a solution. I don't actually know, like you just said, I don't know what's best for somebody else, but they do. Yeah. And like <laughs> being able to sit with people and help them, you know, in my work as a coach too, like to help them figure out what it is for them. It's just like, I had to go first and exactly. do that for myself and be my own best client. And yeah. you helped me so much yeah. in getting to that point. So, so grateful. So I think I know the answer to this after the beautiful foot bath, reading a book, chilling <laughs> moment that you just described. But in the day-to-day, even when things are chaotic and stressful with four kids, you're homeschooling now, like all of these things are going on. How does your body feel now? What has shifted for you? So much. I was I was telling you before we hit record that I was with my three of my closest friends this morning and they were like, you are different. Like you are, you just feel so much calmer. (laughs) My hairstylist told me that last week too. She's like, (laughs) you just like seem more peaceful. Like I just, I don't feel like I'm rushing into things. I I just feel like I used to be like, ah, all the time. And just to be present in my own body, Mm -hmm. I feel like it's the biggest difference. Yeah. Well, I think it is so brave and courageous of you because You had it all. You from the outside, you were very successful. People would look to you and say, I want what she has. And for you to have the courage to step into the unknown, to do the work that you've done, shows the integrity. Because like you said, you weren't ever consciously doing anything Uh on purpose. There was no conscious, but there was something in your body that you knew there's something missing. And you listened to that voice and you showed up for yourself and look at what you're doing. Yeah. I mean, I love to like 
coach people into mm-hmm. working with you. <laughs> like, or working with any, like, work with the, like, it's just incredible yeah. what working with somebody, especially one-on-one, will help you get to, like, where you want to go so much faster than you could ever get on your own. Yes. So. Yes. And that is just the total beautiful full circle moment because we started this podcast with you saying it was on me to be the martyr and do everything on my own and you're ending this time together by saying invite support don't do it alone you will get where you want to go when you bring people as a guide alongside you so that you can experience all of this transformation so My question is, if you could tell one woman something that she needs to know about perfection or making herself a priority, what would you want her to know? And that's probably it. But is there anything else? No, that that was basically it. Just always my encouragement is like, you can't pour, like you want to pour from like a deep tended well, but you can't be deeply tended unless you prioritize it. Get support, ask for help. And I think my old ask for help used to look very different and my new ask for help is much deeper uh, and what you said, like find a guide, get support, not to be afraid of feeling how you feel and, mm-hmm. and sharing that with somebody. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Wynn. I know that this is going to oh, be so you. encouraging for so many women. And I am just so honored and grateful that I got to be a witness to this beautiful unfolding. And thanks for sharing your story with us today. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Don't take